Hi, I'd like to uh, welcome my good friend and fellow podcast host, Six. How you doing, Six? I'm doing pretty good there, Chris, and it's great to talk to you again. It's always a pleasure and an honor. Um, one day, I hope to learn your actual name, but maybe not. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe you will. That's the spice of life, keeping the mystery. I, All I in know. good time. We'll All in good time. I, I yeah. have I have faith that there, there there will be a day where we will meet and we'll be able to exchange pleasantries and you'll you'll know my full name. Yeah, and recipes and whatnot. Absolutely, maybe. yes. <laughs> Betty Crocker cookbook stuff. Yeah, Betty Crocker and uh, Uncle Ben or whoever yes. and Aunt May and everything. Okay, so anyway, um, speaking of which, just for people that don't really know, um, I'm not even sure if I fully understand it. How did you come to the moniker of uh, six? I know it has to do with the 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 uh, prisoner. Like, if you could just explain, just for everybody, and maybe even myself, that would be awesome. So, I I learned of a series called The Prisoner, which stars Patrick McGowan. Um, it was a sci-fi TV series that aired um, over in Britain uh, during the late '60s. Oh, it wasn't even an American one. I, oh, I thought I was getting confused with The Fugitive. Well, and, it, yeah. it's kind of, so the best way to explain it, Chris, is that um, it's kind of like the Truman Show, you know, so for people in the modern era that have seen that, um, where, you know, okay. you have Jim Carrey's character that's like sort of living in this manicured world that's monitored, you know, that's surveilled. Yeah. And in this case, Patrick McGowan's character is like a James Bond MI6 type that when he puts in his resignation um, to whatever you know alphabet agency or whatever he, the, he resigns from, um, he is then gassed and kidnapped and placed on this island in which he cannot escape. And he can't escape it, and it was not due to a lack of skill or anything. It's just uh, he's outmatched by the surveillance technology that he's up against, which is one of the more frightening things about the show, because in the show they show these... Um, giant floating orbs called rovers that are able to track him and literally spring up out of the sea. Um, and, and when wow. they capture him, they, they rather stun him or capture him entirely in the, in like a ball. And it's so reminiscent to what can be done with, you know, modern drone technology and, and, you know, sort of the space age surveillance uh, state that we live in nowadays. And I learned of the series through the band Iron Maiden. And I've always been oh, wow. a big uh, heavy metal fan. Um, I absolutely love Maiden. Uh, I I play a lot of bass guitar, and Steve Harris is yeah. a big influence. Um, so whenever I uh, would listen to the song "The Prisoner," I always dug the the intro from it because it's just like I'm I'm not a number. I'm a free man, and then just like everything right. kind of kicks in, right? But like I didn't really know what that was from. So, like, for years, I would always dig that song, but it eventually came down to it. It was, like, one of those days where I was just like, you know what? I want to look up where that's from. And then I found out, like, where, where it was from. It was, it was from this awesome sci-fi series. And I looked up the series, and I started watching it, and I really got to watching it uh, again and really getting deep into it uh, during the lockdowns uh, of 2020. So I spent a lot of time. This is pretty appropriate. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I spent a lot of time, you know, isolated from the world that I was used to. And I really delved yeah. into this show and it really, 
it, it, it was it was crazy because it was like one of those shows where it's just like, oh, they have cell phones, they have this type of surveillance, they have cameras everywhere, um, they have audio in your house and video in your house. Everything is monitored. It's like North Korea, like how it's described. Or Epstein's Epstein Island. Epstein's Island, Island. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it is. It, it's it's kind of like that where the, this this guy is just trapped on this island. And, and he's very capable. Like he's a very intelligent person. But he's surrounded yeah. by other people that are all brainwashed and they don't, they're unaware of what's going, like they're just participating in these like uh, really eerie um, types of, uh, of versions of what we have in Western culture of just like parades and gatherings and celebrations and, and, and all these cultural things that they bring up to. And, and the way that how people are just brainwashed and he's just one of the very few that's kind of aware of what's going on. And he realizes that yeah. he's a prisoner and nobody else does. And, and just that feeling that he can't escape it. Like the end of each episode is just basically him getting dragged back into it. And then it starts all over again. And, and oh, wow. um, it, it, you're, you're really converting me because I, this is not what I pictured when I first heard about. Oh, it's show. fantastic. And, and, the, and the thing about it too, is that it, it's not, it's not necessarily chronological either with the way that the oh, wow. series works. Like each individual episode is like its own take where like he gets kidnapped, he wakes up on the Island and then this is the thing that he has to overcome. And, um, so almost like modern TV or like how breaking bad would be out of, uh, out of order and stuff, like depending on what season. Yeah. Or so they would have like different themes. Like one of the themes would be death. The other theme would be power, like, and it would just be like they. He would always have a different, um, well, not always. Uh, some, there are some repeats in the series, but he would have a different um, antagonist each time too. So the the wow. the the antagonist's name would be Number Two. So he, when he's <laughs> when he arrives on the island and has like this. Um, you know, meeting of the, uh, you know, where he comes, has the come to Jesus meeting, you know, where they drag him in and they're telling him what's what and what his name is. And they're asking him for information right. and they assign him the number six in the famous quote, he asks, you know, and who is number one? And they never really get to that until the absolute end of the series. And I won't spoil that for you or anybody listening, but, um, yeah. you know, for, for Patrick McGowan's character six, um, he has to go up against a different number two pretty much every episode. And the different number two presents different types of uh, technology used against him, different type of psychology used against him. And it, it, you just get to see how he eventually overcomes that. In some cases, he wins, but he still doesn't ultimately win to get away from the island. Um, it's like his own personal Agent Smith. Yeah, yeah. And that's, well... <laughs> You're, you're very perceptive there, my friend, because of where they go with it. And, and the way that the series itself went, too, is that they had a first group. I forget how many episodes they originally had, maybe like 12 or something like that. But um, then they eventually extended it even more. So it's like they had the first couple ideas of where they wanted to go. And it was so popular at that time that they, they yeah. ended up making more of it. And I'm glad that they did because some of the areas that it, uh, that they get into are just, they're, they're so, it, when you talk about something being ahead of its time and for me, like classic TV shows, I, I didn't spend a lot of time in my life really pursuing like classic music. Yes. Like a music from the late sixties in that era, I know a ton about but when it comes to like right. old television shows of that era, Monty Python and other things like that, maybe, but you know, not, 
not anything to that extent. So I was just blown away by how well done this show was. And um, I've actually collected some of the comic books too. Um, there, there's been comic books made that's like a follow-up to the Prisoner series. It's a it's a new Prisoner, if you will, um, on on uh, oh, back wow. on the so island, back in, at the village. It's called. Um, is it is it more is it in modern times that they made this uh, sequel comic series, or was it like around like back in the seventies and eighties? Well, and um, actually, because of the the way that the the show was made and the era that it was made at, these comic books uh, were made in the eighties. So these uh, these uh, comics take place in modern times in the eighties. So it's like a continuation oh, of where it went from where you left off in the series too. So yeah, right. and uh, there's I okay. think it's like a four part. Um, graphic novels uh, that you can get online now and you can get them for pretty cheap. Like you, you use comics and stuff like that now, nowadays, unless it's something like super really sought after or rare, like the, the prices aren't too bad. So I was able to procure well, some that way, but um, the whole, the whole idea though um, behind me adopting uh, sort of the idea of the prisoner just came from the fact yes. that you did, you never knew what the prisoner's name was. And like you have this protagonist that you're you're sort of you're fighting with, right? Like you're you're thinking through if you're like me at least and you're watching these things, like you're not just watching it to watch characters move around on screen. Like you're you're identifying with the protagonist. You you want him to succeed to get off that island. You you visualize yourself. You live that vicarious um extension of yourself through this character. And when he never succeeds in in, in escaping the village, like it just you know, the the, the fact that I was being held in isolation along with everyone else, you know, sort of in the Western world and, and, and other you know, parts of the world too, uh, for that matter, during that time, it, it just like whenever I wanted to uh, adopt a, a sort of public persona to show people, I, I wanted to show them that. So they recognize that we're all, we're all that person. Like we're all living that character now in various different ways. And it could be it could be through lockdowns. It could be through you know the the COVID policies that were um, yeah. you know asserted onto us, or, or it could be uh, something else. It could be economics. It could be a bunch of different things. And and the fact that um, the the message and what people could identify with there as in a protagonist could mean a lot more than that person's identity, who they really are, what right. their past was what their race or skin color may be or who they voted for, that it's just like the ideas are much larger and much more, uh, you know, practical to be applied than, than through the, the biases, I guess that, that we have for people and characters. Well, I like any kind of art whether, and uh, I know we're talking about your, your podcast monitor uh, moniker, but that could be, you know, put in the same category. I, I like when things are up for different interpretations. Well, true. Yeah. So if you only, if you don't, if you have something that's not, you know, defined just by one thing, the, there's, there's a richness to that. So I, I can really appreciate well, and, that. And it's also with expert, as far as expertise goes, like look at how much the um, appeal to authority was overused during the whole COVID thing, since we were just talking about that. Yeah. Any day, and you know, nowadays, like e even guys like Peter McCullough with all of their, you know, medical um, accomplishments, 
you know, the, all the pa- all the papers he's had published and everything. People still just they look at somebody like him and the things that he says that go against the orthodoxy, and they go, "Well, forget that guy. You know, he he's, doesn't know what he's talking he's about. Trouble. He's a quack. He's you trouble. know, like he could have yeah. he could have won fifty thousand awards before, and they they could have heralded him as the the greatest ever. We could have had ticker tape parades for him, but if he went against the orthodoxy, all of his expertise just goes out the window. So it doesn't. It's like. It's like with Scott Jensen, I believe, uh, Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and that's the thing with those guys is that they could have all the credibility in the world, but to somebody on the other side or the other tribe or whatever else that we're dealing with now in this fracturing of our nation um, looks at that and that stuff goes out the window or they'll attach it to, well, that's, that's just his, uh, that's his race or that's his ethnicity or that's his religion that's making him say this thing and do this thing and think right. this way. And it's like, no. Nothing can be further from yeah, the it's truth. It's like I'm 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 a I'm a six. I'm a bicycle on Twitter. I'm nothing. I'm nobody from nowhere. And, <laughs> yeah. and I can but I can say something that's poignant. I can say something that stirs you or provokes you or makes you think or makes you want to just angrily, you know, search, you know, for something on the internet to prove me wrong and then find out that I'm right. And right. I, I love that. Yeah, you know, that that's the thing that's great about this this weird time that we live in on the internet is that we still have the ability to be somewhat anonymous and and go out and provoke change without having to personalize it because that's the one of the first things that people do with you nowadays. It's it's the cheap heat. It's the it's the thumb in the eye. You know, it's stepping on your foot like it's cheating. But it's but we all do it. Like if just if whenever in an argument where you're outgunned and you're outmanned and you're outmatched, you know, when it comes to your brain, you just go back to the, well, you're a stupid head. You know, it just goes, it goes down to, you know, it gets down to childish name calling and bringing up stuff from your past. Well, you said this and did this in the past. So that means that you're an idiot. Don't you love that? Because basically uh, when they, they bring that kind of thing in, it's basically just showing the ignorance because it's like, well, you're saying that I, yes, I may have believed and said these things in the past, but it's called growing and learning. Well, if there were meters for that kind of stuff on, on screens yeah. from debates that I've seen on the internet, you know, the people that yeah. they get into that kind of stuff, they would just get giant L's on their screen. You know, that they would just, it would yeah. suck the energy bar away from their character if they were like a fighting game, right? It's just like you, you <laughs> continuously lose the argument whenever you you know, put the, put those personal like fallacies ahead of, of whatever topic that you're actually talking about or debating, you know, like if, well, I just remember like in 2004, the big thing was, uh, looking back, I, I don't know why I, I really cared. I mean, I, when you had John Kerry being called a flip flopper because of uh, his stance on certain issues, uh, that, you know, during the debates with a W, I, I just remember people, chastising someone for having a change of an, an opinion based on new information. And that was considered a bad thing. But of course that was in the, the times when, uh, if you were called a truther, that was supposed to be a slight because, you know, getting at things like the truth was, uh, I guess not a good thing. Oh, well, look at the labels, like just in the, like the way yeah. that labels are used, like there is, um, and, and it's, and it's highly debated among sociologists, of course, these days, but, the, the, the concept yeah. of labeling theory, that whenever I would label you, Chris, as a certain whatever, like say that I wanted to call you a truther. So then like whenever right. I put your name in papers, if I wanted to be like the CIA's Washington Post or, you know, 
<laughs> who, the, the CIA's New York Times or whatever other major news outlets that you want to, yeah, or CNN, absolutely. Yeah. You know, if I wanted to paint you to the public, or even a Fox News, right? Yeah, you know, if I wanted to paint you as something, as you know, and, and going back to the John Kerry thing, like it, let's let's flip back a little bit in time and go to Fox News yeah. circa two thousand four ish. You know, while this is all going on, you know, and John. Flip-flopper. I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah, and, and puts you on like in the middle of like a Sean Hannity segment. And and, and just yes. like he would introduce you as a truther. He would say that you're fuck yeah, that uh we probably don't want to yeah, that you're nuts. And um, you know, yeah. it's just it, he'd he'd go after every little personal slight, like, oh, look at this guy, look at the way he looks, the way he dresses, look at where right. he comes from, look at what his you know mom said on Twitter the other day, or whatever, like whatever they could dig up to just bury you. But like the first thing that they do really is that they put you in a little box where they label you as something so that everyone else around you looks at that label and goes, Oh, I've made up my mind. I'll just take that for face value. I'll just look at that label and exactly. go, that's what that person thinks. That's how they behave. That's how they feel. And I don't just have, to, I don't have to worry about that anymore. And I'm just going to you know, pull into this McDonald's drive through and just go on with life. That's you know, right. it's just, like, but that's what happens though. And like, we all do it. We all do it. We all, we all fall for the label sometimes, you know, so like here's conspiracy theorists. Yeah, absolutely. And the whole, the whole idea behind the conspiracy theorist uh, label was from 1967 uh, it was the CIA that was telling all of their um, their assets in the media, because that was a thing and still is, that anyone that was questioning the Warren Commission's report, you are to refer to them as a conspiracy of theorist. Course. And when, when, whenever people receive those sort of orders from top down, which I believe does happen, right? Like, and that's the thing that happens in our community, if you want to call it that, with uh, conspiracy theorists. Is that we we yeah. do look at these things where if we're sitting there asking ourselves, how does X happen? Like, how the heck did yeah. we get here? Right. And like some people don't want to have those conversations with themselves. And I, I talked about this on one of my last shows is just having that in, internal dialogue with yourself. I do believe that there are people out there that just they don't want to have an internal dialogue. They they would rather yeah. they would rather take the blue pill, they'd rather be NPCs. They said don't yeah. go there. Don't yeah, go there. yeah they'd rather be um, on the village as one of the brainwashed people that's just going going to the latest <laughs> parade for so and so, and they don't care. Yeah. And, and I get that. I get that life is life is really hard for certain people, and and I can't judge them from their personal experiences of just like if you're living a life where you're working three jobs, you have eighteen kids, yeah. you have everything in the world going on at once, and you can't. You couldn't possibly fathom taking five minutes out of your day to asking yourself what the, what the heck is going on in Ukraine, right? <laughs> questioning your reality. In oh, general. oh, yes. And, and but like for me, I just I can't shut that internal dialogue off. I can't have enough of it. There's not enough minutes of the yeah. day. There's not enough me's in existence um, where I can I can get more of that because it's through that that I, I've gained such a greater understanding of things. Because you can't rely on taking other things at face value. You have to think through them. And if you think through things in stages too, like if you think like, okay, well, this is happening now. Well, what happens after that? Or if you're thinking about something that just happened, well, how did we get to here? And and there's only so much information. And you know this from being an excellent researcher that when you jump back and you look for information, 
you can find certain things that'll lead you to certain conclusions. But then when you really look into these articles, when you really look into the reporting <laughs> and the documents that we have access to and what isn't redacted, that you ultimately yeah. end up having to draw certain conclusions yourself. And and like that's to no fault of the person, right? Like if I don't have and the that can be dangerous Yeah, too. if I don't have the yeah, smoking gun or something like that, I'm not gonna tell my audience like, oh, this is for it, it, you know, the January sixth was for certain caused by aliens, right? Because I have I have no right. information to prove that. I just have this gut feeling <laughs> that I do, and I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna say it, you know, and and full throated, yeah. you know, I'm gonna rip my shirt off and like Alex Jones and scream, wave it around. <laughs> but you know, if I did that yeah. though, I would still get a lot of people signed on, right? I would get a lot of people right. that would be about it because people want that expression. They're dying for it. They're dying to let loose on some of that stuff. There are there are people that are on the flip side of the people I just mentioned, the people that don't want to have that internal dialogue. They're, they're the people like us that can't sleep at night. They're the people that like, oh, yeah. like us that want to know what the heck happened at Sandy Hook or what happened in the Las Vegas shooting or what really did happen on January 6th. Yeah. And, and just like that curiosity is, is what drives me, man. Like it, it's, it's so well, powerful. <laughs> no, and that's a good, that's a beautiful thing to have because um, you can get jaded pretty quickly, oh, yeah. especially in this community for lack of a better term. Um, but basically I was just curious before, um, had you ever thought before the lockdowns of March, 2020, had you had you been thinking about doing a podcast for years and years that looked into corruption and conspiracies or was this basically because of the lockdowns that you came to want to do? This? Um, I had considered it, but I didn't, I was not in a place in that, in those moments of my life uh, to really be yeah. able to put what I would want to in it. And I am, I am okay. a firm believer in that, you know, you should always take action as soon as you can. Like don't don't wait or put things off because and wait for the right circumstances. So uh, I I don't want to encourage like if you have like the I'm living proof of that, my friend. I've been trying to make get an independent movie made for literally since the summer of 2002, yeah. and look at it now. Or where or the the summer of 2022 has just is coming to an yeah. end, and I still you know where's my movie? So I am living proof. Of what you just yeah. said. And, and I think too, like if I would have started back when I started, um, it, it probably would have been very similar to how I started off in 2001 eventually, um, where it, it just, I've, I've gotten a lot of encouragement from people in my life to pursue something like this. And in recent years, especially as podcasts have become more and more culturally important, I'd say. Like uh, when you talk yeah. about like somebody, like the impact and you, you can, anybody out there listening, you can hate on Joe Rogan all day. You can hate his guests and the people he has on the way he conducts interviews and other things like that, the way he'll take sides at times. Well, he's a pioneer though. But yeah. It's just, it creates such like a a wave in the ocean that we all ride that just, you know, the way that you ride that wave, it was created by that, that specific source. Like I'm not going to, we can't take that back. We can't take that away from what's happened. You know, so we're we're all in this um, sort of media sphere now, where we can create these yeah. shows and we can create this content and we can put it out to people and people can share it. They can make it viral, and, and overnight, literally, people can get an idea into millions of people's hands. And yeah. when you talk about w- w- something that 
people could do uh, that give them a way to create a cultural impact much greater than the sphere of influence that they have around you. Like if I asked you, Chris, to go out and campaign for a particular, and you have campaigned, so you you would know this, but if I asked, if I put yeah. you on foot and had you go around the neighborhood and talk to everybody in the neighborhood about voting for blah, 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 whatever it might be, you're either a candidate or right. a certain bill that's going to go through, whatever you wanted to do, right? That, um, you know, ballot measure, not bill, but um, it, it, it would just be like, you would have only so many people that you can contact by doing that. But in, in a half, like in less than a half hour, I could put out a clip and I could have hundreds of eyes on it, if not thousands, if yeah. I'm lucky. And that's, that's a much greater impact than I would have in my own life. So if I would have started a few years ago, I think things would have been a lot different in my life and probably a lot of people involved in, in my life um, because of right. that. But you know, the, when it, when it comes to the right time and the right place though, that the reason why I started doing this was because, um, Biden was putting in the, um, the, the, the COVID vaccine, um, mandate. And this mandate yeah. was going to cause me and a lot of people that I know in my life, um, a lot of harm. Um, and wow. it, it was like sort of down to that point where it's just like, okay, well, it's now or never. Yeah. Enough. yeah, it's now yeah. or never. If you if you're gonna say anything before they they take our ability to uh, um, to speak away, before they censor us off of every platform, or before we're just we don't have the ability to do it because of the 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 resources that it takes to do the, these types of shows. Like the, these shows don't happen for free. I mean the the production right. um, you know had to sort of come up from what I had access to, and this is what I was you know, kind of going into at first. Is that you know when, when I imagined having a a podcast or a show. I didn't imagine doing it with the equipment that I first started doing this show with. <laughs> I, I, I imagined it, you know, doing it with more professional equipment and having a much better setup and having a room that was treated and have having a couple monitors instead of just one and soundproofing in the walls. Yeah, and and yeah. so much stuff that it took to put that together. And then I'm not an audio engineer of any sorts. Uh, I sort of had to pick that up as I was going along to try and figure out how to make myself and my co-host and my guests sound. And then just like the sound and the presentation and everything, I sort of had to come up with piece by piece. But because right. I was forced into it, though, um, it was probably one of the best, you know, hard decisions, you know, that, that that's ever been placed on me. Because, like, with that mandate coming down and with that drive to want to speak out and do more and say more and, and be involved more um, in my culture, you know, for my culture's sake, like, not not in my own name or not anything from me in my own personal life or any personal gain. But just for the ability to go out and just say my piece about my culture before it's evaporated even um, was enough right. to drive me to want to do it. But eventually uh, through, uh, and, and I'm sure you're very thankful too, when people donate to you, I have people that donate to me through Subscribestar. Um, you can find the new prisoners or the new prisoner number six on Subscribestar and then also on uh, um, anchor.com slash donate. Uh, people sign up for us there and I, I've gotten a significant amount of donations and put in, you know, some of my own money into upgrading the studio and getting things in order where now I can produce um, at least one, you know, two to three hour podcast per week, along with, you know, three or four different clips, 
Um, I've done multiple interviews in the past uh, for an interview series that I've done where I've been able to have people on from different places around the world, from Scotland to Hawaii to uh, Minnesota, you know, just all the different places, uh, you know, and different stories and different people and just different pathways that I've, that I've really gone on with the show too. Um, you know, some into um, what it's like fighting the masks in Hawaii to uh, talking to yeah. uh, Silas Guthier uh, from Scotland. Uh, he has a great uh, channel called Silas Speaks. Definitely check him out. Um, but he talking to him about gematria and learning about that. That's that stuff's crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, and and then just uh, you know talking to that's the numerology. Yeah, that's right? the numerology stuff that ties in with Kabbalah and explains a lot of what the um, what I call on the show the global corporatist oligarchy. You know, so sort of the the elite think, or yeah. the NWO, whatever you want to call them. But I don't like calling them NWO. Well, Tony Arterburn, <laughs> my good friend Tony Arterburn is all about that. Like uh, looking into these different. Uh, numerical um, things that really uh, go against the odds when it comes to like, it couldn't be coincidence with all the uh, numerical findings of like the September 11th attacks. Oh, and I'm so guilty of overlooking everything like that in my life for so long. Like the, the one thing about doing the show that I've done for the past year has just been like, Oh, you shouldn't have overlooked that that story at all because that story's huge, right? Like it's just like you you, right. you hear about something like a, a symbol being used or numerology and all this different stuff and like these tales or like these rumors, you know, and, and conspiracy theories, right? And then it's just like even even that, like accepting the false premises of 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 yes. people that in media and in influence and in government. Is something it's it's something that we do way too often. It affects everybody, you know. It's just like that's the thing I can't drive home enough. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not you know some superhero. I'm not special. I'm not I'm not a gifted person in any way. Whenever it comes to doing this, but it's just like if you think critically, like if you if you find yourself in a place where you know you you you're watching the TV and you go, oh, that's not right. That doesn't sound like that. That doesn't sound even plausible. Like, why would they, why yeah. would they say that? Cause that makes no sense. And then you actually go off and do your own research. Well, like you're in this camp now. And that's what people don't understand oh, yeah. is that as soon as they stray from the rest of the pack, that they're a dissident too, that they're a prisoner just down like us. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you get on the rabbit hole and it could be about anything right these days, like if you stray oh, yeah. from the orthodoxy and that orthodoxy is uniform across all platforms. It doesn't matter if, I mean, you could be a UFC fighter and say what you want nowadays in, in some, you know, in some sense, but you know, if you work for the NFL or if you're a tennis player, you better be getting that shot. You know, if, if you're, right. um, if you're an airline pilot or if you're a school teacher or if you're a policeman, it doesn't matter. Like if you stray from that, you wearing that mask. yeah. And, and we saw that, we saw how people were treated there, how people were stigmatized, um, how media oh, yeah. was used and turned against people, turned against one another. And like it, it made us, you know, be be sort of that suspicious. Like during the Red Scare, was just like all oh, the people down the street from us that they're they're going to be leaking information about nuclear secrets to the Russians. We got to keep an eye on. Now that stuff really did happen occasionally, you know. But know. Uh, you know, for the most part, what was out there, and this happened to us, you know, right after nine eleven, which is another subject that you yep. also know a lot about. Um, no, friend, quite a bit too much actually, well, and that's that's the other thing too about the stigma on Middle Eastern people. You know, just uh, that yes. same stigma 
can be placed on any identity group. It's it's a universal move. It, it, it doesn't matter. It's like a chessboard. It doesn't matter what piece that you're using. A, a pawn can still kill you, right? It's just like there's yeah. always that, that that ability that it has. And we we take so many things for granted. We lower our eyes to our enemy. We turn our back. We we do all the things that we're not supposed to do. We we take something from the Washington Post and take it for granted like it's actual news. You know, <laughs> when the CIA tells the Washington Post, oh, yeah, there's definitely weapons of mass destruction there. We just go, oh, there's weapons of mass destruction here. We got to send people overseas. You know, like we just, Jeez. we yes. just believe them. And like, yeah. I've done that though. I've done that though. That's what keeps me up at night. It's not the fact that it's, you know, yeah, there, there's people out there doing evil things. Like that's, that's, that's always going to exist in the universe, right? That's My friend, good. like we're never going to yeah. rid the universe of its problems. In fact, when trying to do so, you'll probably create more problems. And that's the, par- that's the paradox yeah. that kind of puts me in the place where I have to assess, like, how do I approach a problem like that, right? So, I when I'm when I'm presented with a story, I present it. It's presented to me like this is a problem. How do we solve this problem? Well, then you have to think right. like, well, what led up to this problem? What got us here? So you get into like the history part of it, and then you look at what's going on currently. Like, how are people reacting to this? What are people adding to this? Where are the detractors? Who's really helping and who isn't? And then also, I think about right. where it's going. Like, so if we allow this to continue happening, what's going to happen to our country? So it doesn't matter what X is. You can insert that into any type of thing, but that's how my brain works. Like that, I have to do that equation with myself in my head, having a conversation with myself. And I hope that other people do that. that. (laughs) I can do that now um, for better or worse. Sometimes worse because I should be concentrating on other things sometimes. But with all this research, like literally uh, over 20 years of uh, research, researching like the worst of the worst of what human beings are capable of doing to each other, um, you see patterns, trends, you know. And a lot of the times when you have these researchers, I'm not talking about myself, but when you got these researchers that make these predictions or, what, or whatever about uh, possible, you know, bad events or incidents that are going to happen, you know, chances are if they're not in on it, you know, cause there is, you know, that possibility too, with uh, some of these disinfo people, um, if you're actually true and blue and you're not one of those, you can actually make pretty good predictions just based on how history keeps, uh, you know, repeating itself, you know, especially the, uh, the real history. Well, yeah. If you have like, because, a- uh, we're not taught, the, uh, we're only taught a certain narrative. Yeah, you know? if you have a verse in music that where you have three consecutive lines with blue, yeah. true, and shoe, like you, you're kind of guessing where the next line is going to hit, yeah. right? Like it's just, it, it's not going to exactly. be like super casual, fragilistic, expialidocious. Like that, that's probably not how they're going to end the next. Now you can do that, and life does you do can. that sometimes. <laughs> like there is some randomness and some chaos. That does really happen yeah, in the world. Um, that we just uh, that that's what makes life so unpredictable and exciting at times. But but the major events, though, uh, in my opinion, based on like I said, decades of research now, the big the big events, they're all engineered, yeah. social engineering. Well, there's, there's a framework you know? there. 
there's there's a framework there yeah. with not only in the event itself, right? And this is something you and I have looked into a lot more recently with certain stories. It, it's just that oh, yeah. you know there's there's a framework there in both how the the setup has worked physically in the story, and then there's an entirely different framework of how it works outside of that in in media and in like the psychology or the what I would call like the public consciousness. So when you put something out there that's like, this is the new orthodoxy. So this is, um, we're at war with the terrorists, right? You know, just, just just going. Yeah. Or the virus or the commies or whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't matter what the, you could fill it in with any, we're at war with Teddy Ruxpin. You know, he's just, you know, when you put the tapes in them, he's teaching the kids bad things and the, 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 the kids are, they're causing all these shootings. And we just, we really, we have to get rid of Teddy Ruxpin. He's the worst thing on earth. Yeah. My buddy forever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and, and then, sister. yeah. And, and it's just like, it, it doesn't have to be a foreign menace anymore is the big thing that I'm noticing too. Like the, the, the Teddy Ruxpins of old that we used to go after and, 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 you know, turn their world into glass or whatever, um, nowadays it's all pointed inwards at us. Like it, it's, well, it was actually pointed inwards, uh, right before that devastation in 2001 and an event that I've looked into more than most folks. And that was with Columbine. Mm-hmm. They were going after like the goth kids, like the, you know, the heist, the heavy metal, the headbanger types, you know, cause with, you know, there were anyone that wore a trench coat, like, at which, if you look at that event too, it's almost like the 9/11 event, but like on a very, very smaller scale, where you have your Al Qaeda group, and then you got your trench coat mafia group. Which there's a lot of evidence to show that that group was uh, infiltrated as well, and that it wasn't exactly what it seems. Hence, also Al Qaeda, which was also set up in the 1980s by the CIA using the Mujahideen to go against the Soviets of the uh, invasion of Afghanistan. So, you know, even before 9-11, we were looking inwards towards, you know, the American teenager. Oh, and, and, and just utilizing subcultures as targets. I mean, if you really want an enemy that you can hate, you don't want to know the names of their kids. You, know, you want an enemy that you can just look at and know that they're so evil because they're so starkly different than you that you could just, yeah. you could take, you could remove all of their humanity from them. And I think that utilizing the subculture of like alternative and heavy metal music, you know, especially coming up in a lot of that stuff, like a lot of my, my past and experiences and, and, and decisions in life have been really heavily influenced on that based on that kind of music, like my personality, the things I like, the way I dress, who I hang out with, what I, you know, anything, you know, the, the birthday cards that people get me are based on that kind of stuff. (laughs) And, and seeing how, you know, certain artists were, uh, drawn into that, like Marilyn Manson and Trent Reznor and, you know, Billy right. Corgan and all these different people at the time who were able to speak on it. And, and, and to me, it was just like, I had, I'd grown up too in the, in the satan. I was old enough to having grown up in the satanic panic as well and have, you know, I, I had people, I had one lady tell me and like this youth group thing when I was a kid, cause I, I uh. grabbed a CD and popped it in the CD player at one of their little meetings where we were just running around playing as kids and the, the CD was the 
um, the soundtrack for that uh, movie where everybody goes back. It's like every everyone's in the seventies, um, and oh no, it's going to kill me the name of the movie now. It's like slow rides on it, and like all the all the seventies classics, right? But okay, but, yeah. Uh, Are you talking about Days yes, and Days Confused? Confused? There we go. Yeah, it's just woo coffee hasn't kicked in yet uh but anyway the the one track on there is a black sabbath track and i'd always loved ozzy like just grew up just loving all ozzy osbourne's music and i put on this one black sabbath track and this lady runs up to me and she just like immediately turns out like no 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 let's not listen to that and i'm like lady what are you talking about like there's no there's no there's no bad stuff in in this song like i've listened to it a million times like my dad explained to me, like, he never really kept anything from me growing up, but just like, you know, when I'd have questions about that sort of stuff, he'd explain to me what's in the song. And, and just knowing what, knowing what was really there and what it meant to me and then what it meant to this other person, like how out of the blue and like alien, like this, these sounds were, this detuned guitar and this guy talking about yeah. spooky stuff. But really, if you look into the lyrics, like it's, really not all that spooky. And also it's like the guy's using a rhyming dictionary and, you know, he's, you know, he's, he, this yeah. isn't really like, th- th- this isn't uh, Dante's Inferno type of work here. Like this is Black Sabbath. I and mean, this isn't Robert Johnson and the devil talk, having a conversation. Oh, oh, see, and that would have gotten over in that crowd. Probably if I would have turned on some right, Robert Johnson, right. nobody yeah. would have known, but like, there's way more black magic and stuff like that going on in that. And oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. So, and and man, you can feel it too when you listen to those recordings. I love old blues music too. Um, but just oh, like yeah. uh, knowing what I knew then about it, but just looking back at it now, knowing what I know about music and what I know about those artists and everything, it's just like the way that yeah. people have that sort of knee jerk reaction, that uh, that automatic like, oh no, we shouldn't we shouldn't hear that. We can't listen to that theory. That sounds too crazy. Or that that's just a little too raw. That's a little too rough for me. It's a little too aggressive. It's just, you know, it's just the way that people. My whole life I've heard that. Stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's just like, I can't, they can't handle it. And I've just, and, and it's sad and it's isolating. It's alienating. You know, like I, I yep. I've definitely felt quite alone in this world because of thinking the way that I do. But at the yeah. end, you know, when, I, when I'm looking back though, when I'm being reflective and I'm, I'm seeing that, you know, the, the, the experiences that I've been able to have from it though, have been completely right. different. Had I not had that little bug, had that little chip in my shoulder that had that little tweak or whatever it is that whatever, whatever gets me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to say, we got to be careful because, uh, with our, uh, our research and everything, the chip in the shoulder. Oh, you gotta watch. Yeah. yeah the chip. Like, you really have a chip in the shoulder? <laughs> like, uh, did they implant Absolutely it? Absolutely. So you gotta watch what you say in this day and age. But even that, like, imagine if it, it leaked. Okay, so number six claims he has a chip in him. You know, like it's just That's like what I mean. yeah. automatically, like all of all of my uh, credibility goes down the drain for certain people that because they heard that they'll they'll, they'll unsubscribe to me. They'll, they'll withdraw their they'll take their donations back. You know, it's just like well, We're like McVeigh said he had a chip in his left buttock. Oh no. man. <laughs> I see. That's that's what I mean. So then they put you on 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 par with uh, someone like that. You know? And you know what? And, and somebody would hear that. Like, imagine telling that to somebody in a grocery line, right? There's different there's different <laughs> settings when it comes to this. Like, what what you and I do when it comes to approaching these third rail topics, like the ones that you can't speak oh, yeah. about ever. You know, you shouldn't bring definitely shouldn't bring them up at Thanksgiving. 
Um, it, it ruins opening <laughs> yeah. gifts. It gifts at Christmas. Or in polite company. Yeah, like I imagine, like you, you know, your dad's opening up a pack of socks for the thirtieth year in a row, and you're sitting there, and oh, you're just yeah, like, hey, you know, nine eleven was an inside yeah. job. You know, like you just, it, it really. That might actually bring some more uh, <laughs> more levity to the situation. Well, he's opening the same crap. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it really it, it does for certain people. I've noticed, and, and that's and that's a good yeah. thing too. Like I, I think that that really uh, encapsulizes it for heavy metal and harder, edgier type of more aggressive things. Is that what I found? Is that yeah. people that are into that stuff, they're big teddy bears. They may have 300 tattoos and a bone in their nose and they're wearing a cannibal corpse t-shirt, but they're going to bro yeah. hug you. Now they're going to smell and they're going to be sweaty, but they're going to bro hug you and they're going to, they're going to protect you. And if somebody swung on you at the concert, that person would murder them for you. Like, it's just like those people are your friends, but like the, the, the people that you can throw out something weird or say something goofy and you get it and you're on the inside, like there's nothing better than that. Like I, I, the hardcore crowds, like the ones that like the tinier shows, you know, that you go and see of like your favorite bands. Like if I'm in a, if oh, I'm yeah. in a 200 seat club versus a 20,000 seat arena, like I'm much more into it in the 200 seater, man. Like I, that's where I want to be. And I want to be all in it with those people too. Like I want them to be as like in it as like, I am. Like if I'm in the public place and I got my, uh, and I have my jar of flies, Allison Kirk, chains uh, t-shirt and someone else gives you the yes. nod like there's a, yeah. that awesome yeah. feeling and that's our subculture like that's what a lot of people don't understand is that when both heavy metal and in the conspiracy theory community that there's a lot of similarities there between the two and, and it's something that people don't like to recognize because heavy metal is like the the musical form of monster truck racing right like it's not the most like yeah. there are accomplished <laughs> yeah. people in it, and yes, you can win win a Grammy for it now, especially if you're Jethro yeah, you Tull, your right? Yeah. And stuff. The, the greatest yeah. heavy metal band of all time, Jethro Tull, people. But um, <laughs> with the yeah, with the flute, yeah. yeah. And I, I do love Tall actually, but you know, I know maybe I'm they shouldn't have won that. Year. that they won over one. Yeah, it's so crazy. <laughs> Like, okay. but, but that's that's the mainstream world. That 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 in yeah. itself is how the mainstream world ex accepts all of us, right? Like we're all Metallica right. standing on the sidelines, going, "Why the heck did Jethro Tull just win over us?" <laughs> yeah. The guy with the flu, he won. The guy heavy with metal the flu went heavy metal, but but yeah, but we're all saying that. Just like, how can people accept that Building Seven just fell down on its own? You know, how do the planes just fall right. out of the sky into the Pentagon and nobody notices with any camera angles, right? How does an how does an aluminum plane pierce a steel building? Yeah. And you're not supposed Doesn't. to say that. You know, when somebody comes around to you and you're telling them your favorite song, and everybody's just like, "Oh, I really like you know uh, a bridge over troubled water," or "I like you know this land is your land." It was like, no, my, my favorite my, my favorite song is <laughs> F with a knife by Cannibal Corp. You know, you don't you, you, when it comes around to you oh, in yeah. class, like that, that's not. That's not what gets over there. Prison everybody. sex. Like yeah, prison line. sex by Tool. Yep. Absolutely. Off of Undertow. But yeah, the, the, those. Oh, is it Tool? Oh, no, which is the one? Which is the one from Sublime? Oh, uh, you're thinking of Date Rape. Date Rape. Yeah, obviously. And I, I love Tool even more. So that's shame that's on okay. me. <laughs> shame right. on your Tool. No, but. Now you're talking. No, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just like with those. With, but that's the type of thing, too. Like you can't. Like when it came to like show and tell, I had an experience when I was in third grade that helped made me realize that I was a lot different than the rest of my classmates. Because when they brought in like 
I know, show and tell for me is I, I pulled my thing out and I uh, got suspended. Well, yeah, I mean, that's show and that, tell, hey, right? They asked you. <laughs> so unless <laughs> unless they lay down the ground rules, that's really not on you. But uh, so fine print yeah, there, yeah. you know. Anyway, sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> but no, in the um, in the third grade, uh, everybody brought in like different albums and things that they had. And my favorite album yeah. at the time was ZZ Top's Greatest Hits. And uh, my, one of my favorite songs on that record was Pearl Necklace. And I rem- and I had no idea. I had no idea what a Pearl Necklace was. At I, the hear time, right? I hear you. And I told this to like my 50 something, like still kind of like, okay looking, but not, you know, not great uh, type of teacher um, that my favorite song was Pearl Necklace and she lost it. Like nobody else. And I noticed that nobody else in oh class was God. laughing. Really? Nobody else knew what the heck was going on. And then she's just like crying, like crying on herself. Like, because I, she just saw this, you know, eight year old kid or whatever say that his favorite song is Pearl Necklace. So it was basically, she's the one being the pervert. Well, true. But at the same time, it's like, I was in a world, like I realized that I was just in a world that was way beyond what my, the, my scope of understanding was of it. That's right. yeah. Eight. That's self awareness. Yeah, she was a fully grown uh, an adult woman, and she's giving you crap. <laughs> it's like all the in that instance, all that's coming. Oh, she from thought her. it was great. I mean, she thought the presentation because my little my little presentation of it. Oh, was, I thought she was upset. Oh no, with no, you. she was like crying, laughing, like she was just dying, oh. like just yeah. I probably would be no, yeah, too. completely <laughs> cracking up. And, but just like the rest of the class, just like, you had no yeah, idea. yeah, the rest of the class yeah. had no idea why, you know? So, I mean, but that <laughs> to me though, like having that exposure to something like that and realizing you getting that moment of self-awareness though, to know that you're, you're just a Come little on. weird, you know, that, that you're ahead of your, your, your class in certain ways, like rather in maturity or uh, maturity of thought, like uh, of just being right. able to look at yourself as a different person than just like uh, as a group uh, with everybody else too and just like being okay with that like a lot of people don't like that. self-aware self-awareness right because uh, i had that as, as a six-year-old yeah. yeah oh yeah and it makes perfect sense to me man like the way that you and i have sort of like struck up a a, a friendship uh, i just i can tell that we're very much alike one another and and just sort of like that area of self-awareness too because uh just the way that you're you're self-deprecating too in a way like uh, i <laughs> i can see that it doesn't you're not um, sort of aloof or unaware of yourself if you're that self-deprecating, right? Like it shows that you have like right. an internal dialogue going on with yourself and how you almost always yes. and not always. No, a good thing. <laughs> no, it's not always a good thing. I mean, when people talk about you know gifts and curses and double-edged swords, like yeah, and uh, and, and, yeah. and and also look at the other people in in our lives and also other people in this sort of conspiracy theory space where. You know, that has been a huge detriment to them is just having that type oh, yeah. of you know internal struggle with themselves too, of just like not, you know, not succeeding in the way that they expected to succeed or, you know, wanting, wanting yeah. to get over in different areas than the one that they're in and like stuff like that. And like, yeah, I don't know, like I, the most, to me, I had, I had a very good friend one time tell me a brilliant line and I've stolen it and used it in a bunch of different occasions in my life. So I'm going to do it again here. The most expensive thing in life is regret. And to me, like that, that has always yeah. hit. That's always hit with me. It's just like when I go back and I look back at like, you know, my time spent doing podcasting, whatever that is, or whatever this ends up being, 
that, you know, I don't want to yeah. regret like not saying the thing that I should have said at the time. You know, I shouldn't go back and regret, oh man, you know, I should have interviewed that person when they were in that struggle and everything. And, you know, now they're in jail for life. Yeah. And, you know, I, I could have made a difference in that. Wow. You know, like, it's just like, I don't want to yeah. have this kind of, you know, conversations with myself or woe is me in the future. Like, I want to make it happen now. <laughs> you know, I want to make it happen for the people in the world now. And, but that, that's also like a part of what we do too is, is going to be so, uh, you know, I hope at least it, it's, it, it's going to be derivative for all the stuff that happens in the future for the kids that come into this after us too. That, that just like yeah. the, what we do now, then when people are looking, because I don't, I don't think any of our problems, you know, the big problems, at least that we talk about on my show are going to be solved even during yeah. my lifetime. And I don't want to, I don't no. want to put anyone down, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sell us short, but like, I think that. I just think the next, the next generation that you're talking about is so far gone now. Like when it turn when it comes to like their development during uh, the lockdown, you look at stuff on on the computer that's demoralizing and desensitizing. I think we're going to have to wait a, a couple of generations to, for it to correct itself. Well, that ever. may be true. I mean, and, but the thing is too, is that removing them from that influence creates a, a sort of divergence. And this is kind of what I've noticed throughout life too, is that those little yeah. divergences, those little mistakes that have led me down paths and led me to, you know, say having this conversation it's just that the, every little divergence I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for, because like if I didn't get a flat tire a couple of weeks ago, we might have been having this conversation yesterday instead of today, you know, and like those little, those little things that right. make that sort of difference that if you remove kids from the system and put them in another system and it breaks them in a way, <laughs> and I agree with you that it really has broken them. Like uh, John, John Henry yeah. talked to uh people in education, Mike, John Henry is my co-host on the new prisoners uh, podcast, but um, he talked to somebody that was in education um, not too long ago about just the effect that yeah. this has had on children. And it's just, they're leveled by the effect that it's had on children. But I will say is that when just like in Jurassic park, right. You know, life finds a way that, you know, with these kids, with them being taken out of the system like that and broken in certain ways, it allows them to be fixed in certain ways too. Because when, when the human body, when the human bones, when the brain itself is broken, when it heals and when it reforms, it, it forms different pathways, different, you know, there's different ways that nerves work and other stuff like that. And then just, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, um, what is it? Uh, Rookie of the Year. It's, uh, it, it's, it's starring this child that breaks his- Thomas Ian yes, Nichols. breaks yep. his arm, right? And then all of a sudden he can throw a fastball like nobody else. And, and just, I, I'm not saying that that's going to happen to this generation, right? I'm not going to be hyperbolic well, and say me. that. God, I've been hoping this whole yeah, time. It's like, yes, yeah. If people, <laughs> if people could do that in real life, right? That they'd be, they'd be throwing themselves in their arms at this moment, trying to get onto the Yankees or whatever. But, you know, for, for the, for like the kids though, that are going through this though, because they have been, you know, sort of put through this in the system you you can sort of say the same for us mentally after 9/11 though like i for me like uh, there was a part of our collective consciousness and psyche and what we went through especially with years of war and and political strife you know through through the bush carry election that i remember very vividly and, and just like up until like the the modern days that w of what we're dealing with now with covid and other things 
that it's just like that, that psychological uh, difference for me, that brokenness for me uh, is definitely there. And I see it in, I see it in people in my life. I see it in people that, uh, that went and served and you, you can speak for you know the people in your life, like uh, our friend, Tony Arterburn that has had his yes, experiences yeah. You know, it's just like there, there was that deep psychological. And then you look back a further generation than that too. You look at uh, our friend, Don Jeffries, you know, with, with what he went through with Kennedy. And, and we talked about this on the one year anniversary show with this trauma thing. But, you know, for me, like, I, I, I guess maybe I, it's from growing up watching the X-Men, the cartoon show, you know, that, uh, that <laughs> it, it takes some sort of trauma sometimes to really draw that dark Phoenix out of you. <laughs> You know? Wow, you yeah. went there. <laughs> you went all gene yeah, gray on me. But, but it, it really does sometimes, though. Like, it does, if it I weren't know. for watching, you know, the, those videos, if it weren't for watching certain documentaries, if it weren't for playing certain video games or listening to certain music, I never would have came to these conclusions in life. I'd just be rubber stamping things in an office. I don't know where I'd be or who I'd be. But there's a well. I mean. For me, it was, it was 9-11. Oh, yeah. Uh, that made me start questioning my own reality just when I, I looked into how the what we were told, like at first, was complete, you know, nonsense and didn't make any sense. But that first year and a half, I, I bought into everything, even though I remember on the day I even questioned, like, what I remember them tell, talk, telling everybody about these explosions going on and there were bombs in the building. And that first day, uh, most reporters on the scene were uh, reporting this too. And, and I always thought the curious thing was, uh, I'm like, oh, I can't wait till, uh, you know, tomorrow they tell us how these, uh, these you know, these rookie uh, hijackers were able to get access to the buildings and bring them down in such a, you know, such a fashion that they turned to dust. But instead of that tomorrow ever occurring, I just forgot about it like most of the public did. And I remember about a year and a half, two years later, you know, coming across something probably online, like some kind of web board or something. And I said, you remember these explosions that were going on? And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, whatever happened with that? And then I start looking and other people are looking into this like, oh yeah, you remember all the footage of firefighters saying there's an explosion going on here. There's a bomb going off. I always thought we were going to be told in the days and the weeks afterwards how they got access to these buildings. And I just forgot about it because we never were. And for the whole media to just shut down and not talk about a certain aspect to that tragedy, that was eye opening. Oh, yeah. And it's also like it, it's you shouldn't undersell the fact, too, that it is psychologically damaging to notice that the world is being lied to. And you know, and yes. you know that it's a lie, and that other people don't see 100%. it. Hundred percent. It's it's so hard. Yep. It's so hard on the brain, and you go through a certain, uh, you know, like they say, like the, what's the thing where you the acceptance you eventually get to acceptance? Oh, right? Five you stages grieve, of grief. The grieving yeah, process. Absolutely. Yeah. You go but through the grieving. There's process. another process when it comes to oh, your eyes opening up to how the way things really yeah. work, 
and it, there's different levels and like steps or whatever. And it's the same thing. I went through it like a lot of other researchers. And did, imagine you know? if you would have started as soon as your suspicions had kicked in. Imagine if you had the confidence in I yourself and, and in your abilities that you certainly have exemplified, right? That you've been able to provide people like Donald Jeffries for his books and you've been able to provide my show with, with great sources and stuff too. But like if you had started back when you first had those suspicions, imagine the differences that that could have made. So anybody listening to this right now, if you've been holding off, if you've been waiting to say something or do something in a positive and non, you know, I, I, I work by the non-aggression principles. So, you know, definitely don't right, aggress right. upon other people. Don't hurt other people with what you're passionate about. But I encourage all people to weaponize their passions. Like go out and do it now. Don't wait. You know, because if you be like a Gary McBride, yes, type, yeah, you know? absolutely. And I'm I'm a big fan too of uh, a man named Josh Scogan. Uh, he used to sing for Norma Jean, and uh, he has his own band oh, okay. now called Sixty Eight. And uh, he has a line in one of his songs that I could have been anyone from anywhere, but I chose to be me from right here. And it's just like you could do oh, that wow. at any single point in your life, brother. You could wake up tomorrow and just be like, you know what? I'm going to be a different person today. You can do that. And I'm not talking about the straight tabular stuff, right? You don't, you don't wipe out everything that existed before you and you shouldn't try and do that sure. either. But if you wanted to wake up and be like, you know what, dang it, you know, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to record a podcast today. You know, I'm going to do a documentary today. I'm going to make that fall. movie today. You yeah. know, I'm going to, I'm going to send that yeah. letter, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. And I thought I was going to, when I really thought my time, you know, and I'm not out of the uh, ballpark yet, but when I really thought last year that, you know, my time was severely limited, I drove cross country to do certain things. I said the same thing, what you just said, it's like, I want to be a better person. Even if my time is limited, I want to become someone else, a different, better person with the time I have now. And I, I still feel that way. Well, know? it shows in your dedication, man. Like I, I, I know a lot of different people through doing this this past year, and I've been really fortunate in that too. Like that, there's been a, a really welcoming part of this alternative or conspiracy, you know, theory community that sort of accepted me because of just yeah. the, the the types of things that I'm willing to, the types of conversations I'm willing to have. You know that I, I'm yeah. not I'm not the type of person where I'm so set in my own beliefs or my own ideas about that situation that I'm not willing to have other people's viewpoints on, or I'm not willing to hear other things, or you know. You're fluid. You're like me. You're fluid. You like you. You're always open to new information that might change the point of view. Well, true, again. because that gives me the opportunity to ask myself those questions. Oh, yes, yes. And a lot of the questions that I asked too are ones that have just been in my mind all week, you know, that I just can't wait yeah. to ask my audience or I can't wait to put to a particular article. Like, I can't believe certain things happen in the news. And then I can't wait till like Sunday or whenever I record to, you know, to sit behind this microphone and, and just ask, you know, the world pr practically, like, what do you all think of this? Because I think this is nuts and here's why. And, but then I can show people like the biggest thing I think that, um, that you do and that other people that we really respect do is that they demonstrate. They don't just go on. Like yes. I can give you great rhetoric all day. Like my, my life has been consumed by, you know, public performance and speaking and, and, and professional yeah. wrestling and all that stuff coming up where I can cut you a great promo about how, how I think about Nancy Pelosi. Right. But if I show, if I show you her investment records, that's a 
different ball game. Or her father yes. <laughs> and his involvement with uh, organized crime and his involvement with JFK and RFK. Oh yeah. You don't end up yep. being the pineapple princess over nothing. You know, no. you don't end up controlling that much resources over doing nothing. Right. And, 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 exactly. and it's not to say that there, there are no honest people whenever it comes to the world, but we, there are not a lot of honest people <laughs> because in this world. It's really not. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like with Hollywood too. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of scumbags. Of course. <laughs> and, and I mean, and we, uh, and just rolling with that. It's just that personality type too. You know, I mean, whether it's Hollywood or Washington. Well, or serial killers. I mean, you know, t- t- Ted Bundy was the same, right? I mean, it's just like Ted Bundy. Everybody loved yeah, Ted Bundy. Yeah, he was one of the Republican yeah, he. Same with John Wayne Gacy. And the yeah, Democrats. he's the one that he's the one you bring home to mom. This is just like look at the dimples, the great this yeah. guy, you know, the feathered hair. But no, that next thing you're you're in a ditch, you know. It's just yeah, you're yeah. But that's that's oh how God. that mentality works, though, and it's just like the 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 cultish mentality of just accepting for face value what people tell you, what people say to you, and, and what people do with rhetoric, especially these days, is just. The, the hyperbolic nonsense that gets spouted on Twitter and other places yeah. and on news shows and alternative news shows, even too, where just they go on and they say, well, this is the, this is going to be the cause of the next, this and that. And it, I, I try and stay away from a lot of that stuff. I mean, most of it, when it comes up in, on my show, it, it's, it, it's in a joking way because I have to take, I, I have to take the level down a little bit sometimes. Cause I well, yeah, go ahead. Like the late great, William Bill Cooper. Yeah. He would tell his audience on the hour of the time radio broadcast, he would always say, don't believe me. Go look for yourself. Absolutely. And, and also I like applying a, a bit of humor to it to kind of bring down the seriousness of it. Like a lot of people are afraid. Like a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine oh, you go know down. That Mary right? Poppins. Yeah. But, oh, um, yeah. That, but the, <laughs> the, the thing about it is, is that people are afraid to even search. Like people are afraid to even go on a search engine and search for certain things. They're afraid to read certain articles past the headline to find out if if what they believe is true is actually true or not. Because finding out that it's not true is so horrifying. Like it's yeah. just it, it, whatever you think that you know about this government, heck, whatever the think that I, whatever I think that I know about our government probably isn't a hundred percent true. You know, I, I might know yeah. more than the average person about, you know, certain things historically and you know, through friendships with people like you, I've, got, I've gained to know a lot more about, you know, how things work, I think. But I can't give right. you an exact like A, A to Z, like rundown of how the Russiagate conspiracy was launched and happened. I, I can know more about the story now. You know, because of more things that have yeah. come out. But all I can do is look at the information available and give you what I think about it. You know, and and, and yeah. from that, if you if you get that and interpret that in your own way and apply that towards your own uh, processes of looking things up and verifying them, like I tell people, they used to say trust but verify. Hell no, don't trust no but verify. You know, that's that's what you want to do. Yeah. Like you want to go out and you want to find something that's out there. Find any of the third rail topics I talk about on my show, please. And then look them up yourself and try and disprove where some of our speculation goes to. Like, that's more fun to me. Like, that's, I want, I want people to find stuff and go, well, you know, I like where Six is going with that. But, you know, I, I looked it up and actually it's not that bad of a thing. And like, it's not going to cause this or that. And like, set, set the record straight, please. 
Like, you know, like that's, that's, that, that's the type of interaction that I want from my audience. And unfortunately I do get quite a good bit of that. Like the, the, the feedback that I get from people and the sources they send me, the articles, the videos, like I, I try and pay attention to as much of it as I can. Sometimes I don't get around to all of it, but like when people really participate and contribute though, that that's the thing that I'm really the most thankful for, because like that shows that people are listening. Like they're taking the time to be like, Oh, I, I listened to that two hour podcast and actually did some research afterwards. And then what I came up with, I'm going to send back to the guy now. Like it's now it's now it's a relationship, you know, now it's circular where I'm providing. So, so would you say you really have a, a tight bond with your audience uh, in the year's time? Or are you, are you still not at a certain point that you want to be yet with your audience? Or? I think ultimately where I want to be is that I want it to be when Whenever we go on Donald Jeffrey's spaces and it's really bumping and there's lots of people there and it's a very interactive conversation. And I walk from the conversation thinking, man, I'm really glad I did that. I'm really glad I participated in that. And I've had plenty of those conversations there doing that. I, I want that. I eventually want that kind of interaction all the time with my show. If I can, like, if just like getting more people involved, like I love having voices like yours and, Gary McBride's and our friend Lisa Blanger. I love having guests on, like we just had on Donald Jeffries, who we just mentioned, and Guard Goldsmith. Like those, I love no. having those types of conversations, and I love also being able to bring people like that together to put put like different big topics on the table that normally wouldn't get approached in those types of things. Usually, like those big meetups and panels are about like something specific, you know, hyper specific, you know, or or timely. And I'd rather go into like, I'd rather have those guys on to talk about whether it's worth it's whether it's worth it or not to even have elections anymore in this country, you know, right. and it's something that nobody else is going to have that conversation, but I want to have that conversation, especially with those people. Cause I want to hear their comments on that, you know, and, 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 and if I can get more of that recorded for posterity where other people in the future are asking like, you know what, should we really have elections in this country anymore? And then like, they find a podcast about it and listen to some people like Donald Jeffries and Gar Goldsmith, or maybe like a Vince Agnoli yeah. talk about it. Like I, that's great. Cause I, I was able to provide that as a, as a reference for them in the future. Like of just having that conversation, even if that conversation leads to no other change in the world, having somebody else hear that in the future and interpret it and put it into practice in their own lives. I've, I've done my part there. I think. Yeah, it'd be like as if uh, it would be a, it'd be like if I could have had uh, Dave McGowan, Bill Cooper, and and Donald Jeffries all like uh, on the same show talking about exactly what you just yeah. said. And it's just like we we only have so much time, you know, to produce content like this. Oh, yeah. And I don't mean like just like with the people in our lives or our time here on Earth. I'm talking about the censorship stuff. Like when we have a window oh, yeah. that's it, just open enough. Open. Yeah. Just open enough for us yeah. to squeak in this type of content that boy, we better, we better harness what we, what we have now and utilize it because I don't think that window is getting any more open, you know, these days. No, you know, it's, no. If yeah, anything, it seems like yeah. it's really getting dim. You know, the lights barely getting in the window. Anymore. Away. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's bad. And, and when we talk about, you know, stuff like Twitter and the other places where we all seek some sort of affirmation or, you know, group yeah. or, or like community type of, uh, you know, acceptance of ours, of, of our place in this world, 
you know, because that's the other thing too. Like we we all have our personal lives, and we also have our private, you know, our private lives and the way we conduct ourselves, you know, off yeah. off air. But you know, when we're when we're creating this stuff and we're having these conversations, you know, the the type of person that I want to be is that I I, I want to be able to keep that window open for people if I can. You know, and I'm I'm not yeah. going to do it on on the major platforms that won't let me do the work that I want to do. Like so, uh, YouTube right. is definitely not going to be a good platform for me. I already have like all the community strikes that I need to pretty much get my channel completely banned. They can they can pull the plug on me at any single moment, and I'm not taking a single video down because the longer that those right. videos stay up, and the more people that hear them, I don't care how many views they get. If it's one extra view. One day from now, that causes somebody to jump over to BitChute to check out the rest of my stuff there, or Odyssey, or Rumble, or Brighteon, or somehow still Spotify. Yeah. I have no idea how I'm still on that, uh, but they they do offer video. And like if if somebody sees one of my little videos that's still up on YouTube from months ago because I haven't uploaded to it in forever, I've just completely given up on it. But if, if somebody looks up like episode whatever that's still on there. Um, and they, and they yeah. decide to jump ship from YouTube over to one of the alternative platforms, then bingo, that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted somebody to take a chance on something a little bit different. Like instead of eating at the same old McDonald's, you know, just maybe pull into the Hardee's and check it out. Just don't get arrested by the FBI. Yeah, or the Pizza like, Hut Buffet. Or the Pizza I mean? Hut Buffet. Yeah, that's actually a better reference because, uh, yeah, I don't, I'd be a little afraid to pull into a Hardee's <laughs> these days. You never know when the FBI is just going to be waiting there for you, apparently. So, yeah, especially if you make like pillows. Yeah, I know. I had a weird theory about how he made the pillow pop into my mind this week. Because like if if you know a little bit about uh, Mike Lindell folks out there listening, Mike Lindell was uh, a, a, the, he had his I don't know if he was like fully arrested I, I guess maybe or the, he had his cell oh, phone. I don't remember the crackhead well, thing. Well, yeah, yeah, but that, that's the thing. Like he yeah. used to be a crackhead apparently, and um, yeah, you know the the comparison of the my pillow that's been presented to me because I don't I, I'll be full disclosure I I do not own a my pillow I have no my pillow endorsements. But the re- the reason why I've heard so much about you know, the the my pillow itself uh, has been like it's like a, a it's like a bag of packing peanuts, and yeah, to me, if you're thinking about it, like okay, you're you're a crackhead, you're living in a crack house, um, you may not have a pillow, a you have a glass bottle as yeah, your pillow. But, but if point, you had yeah. a plastic bag, like one of the sh- big shipping bags, like sometimes I'll, I'll get sh- stuff shipped to the studio and it'll be all in those packing yeah. peanuts and the big bag, you know, the big plastic bag. That's where he got the idea. Yeah. For the if that gave him the idea for the pillow, that's awesome, man. That, that, that should show anybody, <laughs> regardless, regardless of how you yeah. feel about life. Or anything. Well, good for him. Yeah, you know, he was the, able to. You, you he know. was able to turn that into a business. Now these days, yeah, it was just weird seeing the pictures of him with the martial law documents at the White House. <laughs> that was what I was like. Yeah, huh? when you uh, <laughs> see, you go from crackhead with a plastic bag full of <laughs> packing peanuts as your yeah. pillow to like handing martial law documents to the president <laughs> of the United States. <laughs> You could do something with your life, right? You could quit that job and do go to your life's dream. dream. Yeah, like you can really make it happen. Yeah. Now we don't know who gave him the crack, though, right? Because it could have been Ollie North. It could have been anybody back in the day from from the government agencies that were shipping the cracker on that that did it too. So maybe you say Oliver North. 
Holly North. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, this has been great. Um, yeah. One last time. Let's just see. Um, where can folks find you, uh, contact you, and where can they uh, see all your, your wonderful, great work, including all those awesome monologues at the beginning of your shows, which sets you apart from just about everybody else. Oh, I, I really appreciate that. Um, well, people can find me on BitChute. That's B-I-T-C-H-U-T-E. Um, it is a, a foreign uh, platform, but they seem to give me the most love when it comes to their algorithms. So I'll get a lot of views there and a lot of new subscribers. But yeah. um, the domestic platforms that I'm on, um, Odyssey and Rumble, uh, Odyssey is really nice because it gives like the best uh, visual quality. Um, algorithm wise, eh. uh, Rumble is pretty cool, but their layout is meh, in my opinion. But uh, you know, we're, we're working with any alternative platform really that'll give us some love. Um, uh, Bri right. Brideon is also there too. Um, their view counts just changed, so they're less confusing for me, but still, I don't know how I have so few. Uh, subscribers uh, scratch my head but um, then uh, Spotify too Spotify is a big platform um, we're also on like the, the audio versions of the podcast or on Google Play and um, Apple Music or Apple Podcasts I think it's called now so all those things and a few other smaller podcast joints but um, and then uh, social media wise uh, you can find me at New Prisoner and the number six on Twitter uh, that seems to be where I get the most interaction However, I would love for people to go and follow me on Gab or Mines. You can also find me there under the new prisoner number six. Um, so I, I, but when it comes down to that kind of social media stuff, you know, Chris, you and I were talking about that a little bit before we, uh, we got on air here. It's just yeah. that, you know, I'd rather have the interaction from people be on the platforms that I'm on. So like the, the video sites yeah. and everything and, you know, keep the content there for everybody to see sort of, uh, then on Twitter, because all of my stuff gets buried there. Uh, I'd rather have it on right. for posterity where it's not going to get yanked down on BitChute or Odyssey or rumble where, you know, we can have an open conversation and exchange, uh, links to, uh, I love when people send me sources. So I do a source you list mean, every you week. Know, you're yeah. talking about freedom of speech. Uh, oh which, yeah. <laughs> Going well, that's away, the thing. Folks. Yeah. So I don't, I, I'd, I'd rather not build up my platform or my name or anything on the, these major sites that can just yank the rug from you. So, um, you know, when it comes to the alternative platforms like BitChute, Odyssey and Rumble, especially, I, I'd like for people to, you know, contact me on there. Um, and then also I do a Substack every week where I release my source list from the podcast, which is all the articles yes. and videos and things that we talk about for the most part. Um, that I'll, I'll put on there for free. So you can sign up for the free email list there. And then also people can, when they sign up, they also get a free copy of that monologue stuff that you just mentioned. And really the monologue I've been, that that's the one part where I, I sort of do get uh, really proud of, you know, hearing people uh, talk about because the whole monologue idea really came from me growing up watching the Dennis Miller show. And it, Wow, and yeah. at every beginning of the Dennis Miller show, he would have an awesome monologue that would just get me thinking and get me, you know, laughing and stuff. And, uh, you know, I remember buying the the books, the collections of those rants that he would go on at the beginning of the shows. And uh, for me, like between that and where he got it from, too, which is the movie The Network. So if all of you listening out there, if you've never seen the movie The Network, definitely check that one out, too. You know, watch watch The Prisoner and definitely check out The Network. And I think you'll get a lot of why why i do certain things the way i do on my show 
but um, you know. Oh, is it is it the same movie that I'm thinking of? That um, the movie Network from 1976, where he's like uh, mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah, damn. yeah, yeah, yeah. Network. Okay, yeah. yeah, okay. I thought it was like a yeah, because he comes okay. out and then, you know the lights get all dim and the spotlights on him and he's just looking straight I'm at the audience. Yeah, and he's telling the audience just how he feels. Yeah. And, but really a lot of that is me just waking up usually on like a Monday or Tuesday morning, like the day after I record the show. And like, I add my own monologue to just how I feel about the way the conversation went afterwards. And sometimes it's just, it's just straight up, like just me speaking off the cuff. Other times it's something that I'll kind of put together more like an article where there'll be references and reference links in it. And then other times it'll just be like a complete fantasy piece or even me like ripping off Neil Young's uh, Sugar Mountain. So it, it could go anywhere, but that's the fun part about it is that you know pretty much every episode that I've done, um, except for the, the exclusion of like one or two episodes, is they all have a monologue attached to them. They're all different. They're all aimed in different directions, but it's really like a therapeutic and cathartic creative writing exercise for me every single week to be able to do it and to have people that are you know as steeped in this as you are. But then also other people that have that are accomplished writers, uh, whether it be like Donald Jeffries or like a guard goldsmith, for have people like yourself and those two and others be able to say, hey, that was a great thing that you wrote there. Man, that makes me really step yeah. back and go, wow. You know, like I just I just had somebody that's a best-selling author or whatever, or, you know, a person that researched all you know, the majority of the material for that, you know, best-selling author, they tell me that right, what I right. wrote was, was of any significance or any good whatsoever. Like it's just, it's such a great compliment. So I really appreciate hearing that stuff, man. Well, 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 I'll tell you this, <clears throat> we're on the same, uh, same wavelength uh, in a lot of ways, but little tidbit here, the show that you're on right now, get mad with Chris Graves, yeah. right? <clears throat> in the intro, the mad part in the dot, in the, um, you know, the sound effects or the dialogue, whatever, you know, right when it says get mm-hmm. mad, you know, and that had, you know, with my name and all that. That's from the movie network. Well, absolutely. <laughs> that little sound bite. Yeah. No, yeah. I believe. And, and that's the thing too. Like those, those sort of references, like when they're hidden in little songs and stuff, when they're, when they're hidden in, in movies, like in lines and movies that and like, oh, yeah. check those out, pull those little threads. You never know where it's going to lead you. You absolutely never know. Like I've been in how many record shops maybe have you been in, in your life, Chris, where you just walked in and then you you're scrolling through something. Right. And then you just, you turned one little thing over and then boom, there's that thing. Oh, that yeah. changed, there's that video that you watched that changed your life. Right. And it's just, I've yeah, had that like so many that. times in my life. Yeah. Like, it, like, like, uh, some punk band from the seventies, uh, or eighties, uh, I had never even heard of. And I'm like, wow, look at this artwork, look at the name. I'm like, oh yeah, I've had that quite a bit. Unfortunately, not in recent years, obviously for obvious reasons, but yeah, that was uh, quite the feeling back, back whenever that would happen. Well, it's, it's the beauty in discovery. And I think that so much of what's like, like with flea markets too, you know, and new comic, like comic books and, and, uh, bootleg tapes like you were just saying like nirvana bootlegs i would go to the flea market for well, yeah and that's and and that's more of like a that's considered to be like more of a hardcore type of thing to do like most people are aren't active listeners right most people listen right. to music they listen to it at the grocery store and it could be the same thing on their television the same thing in the hallway of their apartment building they don't care 
But then there's people like us that are just like, they'll listen to like a two minute song of some guy screaming into a, what sounds like a tin can. And we're in tears. I have that album. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We love that album. We wear that t-shirt. You know, we wore that t-shirt out and bought another one, right? (laughs) Like those are the types of things I'm talking about that, that beauty and discovery. So much of what we do in like the conspiracy theory community, if you want to call it that again, it's just like, it's, it really is that same sort of curiosity and and exploration. It, it it's really is that that childlike curiosity and innocence that really leads us to want to push forward and ask those questions. Because like if you think that you already have everything figured out, if you think that you already know the full and complete story of what's been handed to you in your manic- manicured reality, then you you're just another member of the village. You're not you're not trying to escape with the rest of us. <laughs> you know everything yet you know nothing yeah, absolutely or, or like the joy of the, the joy of destruction and the beauty of decay oh, beautiful uh, <laughs> that was actually used uh the joy of destruction was uh used to describe nirvana and the beauty of decay was used to describe alice okay oh and it's so fitting because things yeah. i mean when you talk about the concept of entropy you know, that the things yep. are always fading or dying and, you know, like the, everything is yeah. on its way, you know, sort, sort of to that, that finality, that end. Um, look at the way that people are painted in all of society and all, pretty much all of cultures when it talks about that, so especially yeah. Western culture. Like if you talk about death and dying, there's something wrong with you. You know, you're, yes, there's, right. there's something spiritually, like there has to be something just, you, you were messed up as a kid or whatever, you know, like it, it all leads back to something where, you know, as somebody's got to, you know, paint you in a certain way, that doesn't have to be. I mean, no, I do think that there is something to that though. Like the people that are alienated, the people that are okay with being in their own space. Like I'm okay with sitting at the lunch. Like when I was a kid, I was okay with sitting at the lunch table by myself. That's what it came down to. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. On certain days, certain days it would bother me. Some days it wouldn't, yeah. you know. And and, and that, but there there are times though that were just like in doing this though, by asking those questions and by being curious, it leads you to a table full of people you never thought you'd be sitting with. And, right. and this is just that's what that's what has sort of made this past year for me. That's just like the new connections, new friendships, new personalities, new people that I can reach out to, the the listeners, the the people that donate. It has really revitalized a lot of the positivity, you know, sort of in my mindset over the past year too. It's really kept me up um, on, my, on my feet when a lot of things have happened to me in my personal life and happened in the world yeah. that were just like, you could just so easily have just gone up well, like, okay, nobody's paying attention to this and I can just give up. Right. And you know, I could just, you know, delete, you know, everything. Oh, YouTube doesn't want my stuff. Well, guess what? I'm just deleting all these videos and just giving up. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. And then just like, and so many people do like, think of all the people that made demos, you know, like Nirvana's and yeah. never, never got them to anybody. You know, they let them sit on their, their, their end table and collect dust for the rest of all existence. And then they ended up just dying yeah. away. And, and, and that's, what that's really what we're fighting. That's the, that's the yeah. real entropy. That's the real death. That, you know, Cause like, if you're, if you're out there fighting for it and I know that you, you bring him up quite often, but he deserves it as Dave McGowan. If you're out, if you're yeah. out there fighting for what you believe in and you go down in that fight, you went down honorably, you know, like Bill Cooper yeah. too. It, yeah. 
Kill, kill them right on yeah. this property. If, if those guys would have sat back and just like ate Rice Krispies and watched cartoons instead. Well, hey, I mean, that has it too. I mean, I didn't get this. <laughs> We're not taking away from Snack Crackle Pop here at all. <laughs> yeah, Snap Crackle Gold. What was it? Yeah, George Carlin had just uh, have a you know nice little censored version here, just so it can be on the regular <laughs> radio. But yeah, George Carlin's whole thing was like, I distinctly heard Snap Crackle F. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, rest in peace. But yeah, oh, it's the inaction, and and it happens so much in every yeah. different art form or every type of creative medium. It's just that you you see a lot of people out there that have that potential of being able to say something, but just. You know, and I'm very fortunate too to be in a place in my life where I can dev- I can devote the time that I have in order to producing yeah. podcasts, in order to you know doing the editing that I do, doing the audio cleanup stuff, putting the creative into the monologues, and also you know developing the thumbnails and just like all the the approach from what shows we're gonna you know how we're gonna block out certain things on them or you know, scheduling things. Like if I didn't have time for that, like. You know, if I didn't have the resources, if I didn't have, if I didn't live in an area that has solid enough internet, even, you know, to be able to carry on these types of conversations like we're having, like there are so many obstacles that people have in front of them yeah. that just like they might not get over that hump, you know, so not everybody can but do some what we do. Families too, and they just can't, it's not practical for them to chase their yeah. dreams. So if you're in a position like that, we are, you know, if you're not doing something, Towards it, the shame yeah. on you. Yeah, and, and it's just like that's uh, I I really that truly is a waste definition. Yeah, of waste. That, that, that's what it really is, man. It, it really is because I think that you know it it took a while for me to get the setup that I have and, and the things that I'm capable of producing, and I'm still not the world's greatest producer. There's a lot of the stuff that I would like to add to my program. Nah, you're awesome. You're, you're on your way though. No, well, you're I great. I appreciate that, but it's, it's always a, it's always a, you know, a step in progress. Like I, I imagine it going further, you know? And, and yes. like, if you, if you're thinking right now, if you're like, dang, I want to get this project. I want to start this band. I want to start, I want to start this. Like, I want to, I want to do a studio where I, I want to paint these images or whatever it is. I don't care yes. what it is, man. But if you're, if you're thinking about doing that, Start getting it together and working towards it. Even if even if you get hit by a truck tomorrow and you don't get to do that, I'd rather I'd rather see you put the foot Reach forward. And do the it. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people yeah. don't. Yeah, yeah, it's. I'm one of them for a long time, where I had too much self doubt, or I was too afraid of what others would think of the finished product that I never shared, and then I'd always look like someone that was just filled with talk and never results. Even when I did finish projects. It still made me look really bad because it looked like, oh, well, he's got nothing to show for it. He never even attempted it. And, uh, yeah, just basically what you're saying is, uh, you know, if you got the time and we, the nukes haven't come down yet. We're all still alive at the moment. If you don't even make the attempt, then really shame on you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It really comes down to that. It's, it's, the, it's always that individual choice. Like we, we do yeah. exist in a collective, you know, sphere of sorts, like where we have other people, like there, there's a great uh, piece uh, that I recommend for anybody that's wants to understand economics better. Right. Um, it's called I pencil yeah. when you realize that you, you oh, can't yeah. get like, you couldn't make a pencil tomorrow if you had to son, I don't care what you, you got 3d printer. I don't care. You're not making a pencil tomorrow. Like you just, you need certain things that you can't normally get 
to make a pencil. And like, uh, it's something as no man's an yeah, island. And it's something simple, simple as that. You know, you think about the pencil, you throw that crap away. Who'd even wants a pencil? Like, I don't even want one of my glove. Boxes. I know David Letterman used to throw the pencil over his shoulder yeah. every night. I, I saw Lord it knows that. how many people he took <laughs> out in those years over that. I would love to see. Oh, yeah. There all the eyes and everything in the back of the Ed Sullivan. Somebody ought to oh, pull the God. insurance records and see, you know, <laughs> how many how many people. Well, do. now they don't have any. They have Colbert. Oh, oh yeah. All those go. records have been burned. It's like when they when they get rid of an embassy. Uh, in, a foreign, in a foreign land, <laughs> it's just like what's Dave stepped out of the restaurant. Any, any of the ambassadors, they, they already have the CIA guys out the back with the crates of uh, paperwork, yeah, ever, just dumping uh, gas on boxes, <laughs> gas on boxes. They don't care about the ambassadors until at the very end. Yeah. Well, this has been great, my friend, seriously. And uh, I really love to have you back on and talking about all kinds of different things metal, comics, like every obviously conspiracies and. Maybe even just the age old dating back in the day. Oh, it all. Yeah. It all applies. It all connects. There are no coincidences. Before, before that officially, before I let you go, do you have other, any other projects coming up that people can look forward to? Well, what's really interesting is, is that what we were talking about before, Chris, is that people like us that, you know, like doing research into the areas that we do research with and have conversations and interviews with people is that, you know, we can get so many viewpoints. We can only get so many angles on something, right? Where you have somebody right. say one thing on one side. Well, I want to hear the alternative version. I want to hear what, you know, what this person says as opposed to how they're labeled. So that's always been something that's it's sort of intrigued me. But with the story of January 6th, that, that story, I've gotten a lot of people's uh, eyewitness testimony of what they went through that day. I've gotten yep. uh, a lot of uh, media articles, you know, sent to me by people like yourself and others, and you know, documents that I've gone through, and all of those can can show a certain part of the story, but nothing really shows the, the part of the story like actually being able to jump inside the Capitol and see video footage as as January six unfolds, and I was actually able to procure. Uh, a certain person, Gary McBride from M5 News, uh, and have him walk me through uh, specific footage of that day and kind of go down yeah. and break it down sort of the way that John Madden would like break down a football play to me. <laughs> and I tell you what, man, that was so eye-opening to have him do that, that I want to do that as a show. Like I want to put together uh, something like with the format that I do, like a podcast, but only mixed right. with uh, like a documentary. And I want to put that information together for the American public to have. And, um, you know, I, I've talked to you about contributing to that. I've talked to other people about contributing to it, but it's definitely something that um, I want to put out in the near future. Just so like we were talking about before for posterity to have something for public yes. record, to have something out there that somebody said something about this happening you know, instead of just waiting for somebody else to call it out, you know, we're, or some, or some, uh, BS commission to tell us what we're supposed to know. Oh yeah. About before it. the whole story gets whitewashed. Absolutely. Yeah. Or forgotten. Yeah, or forgotten. <laughs> yeah. Retconned altogether, you know, so that, yep. that's what we're working. Against. We're working against the, the way memory works. We're working against the way propaganda works. Uh, we're, we're working yeah. against the, the way that just, you know, 
the American public's attention span works. Well, yeah, and, and their comfort too. Like in the brave new world yeah. that we live in now with so many comforts and so many other wonderful distractions, and some of them can be great. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from the latest uh, season of whatever the heck you just watched, right? Like, that's awesome that- Yeah, I stepped in something fierce on uh, yeah, Netflix. Yeah, of course. Oh, especially <laughs> there, yeah. And I'm sure that's, that, that's somewhere yeah. in the algorithm. But uh, the, <laughs> the idea is, is that for just a second, if people are curious, who, whoever has been having that internal dialogue with, with themselves, like- Hey, all this stuff that I've been hearing about the January 6th commission, all their claims like of this violent insurrection and like, you know, all these people being behind it and and like this whole idea of how we need to treat people from now on based on like Joe Biden's recent speech and others, you know, (laughs) who's an extremist and who's a domestic (laughs) terrorist and all this other stuff, you know, these labels again, you know, we're back to where we were talking about labels. Yeah. Talk about uh, the whole alienating uh, half the population. I want to see if the label fits. I want to see if the claims match up to the evidence. And the only way, unfortunately that I can do that is through gathering and doing it through the, the resources that I've managed to gather in the past year. But let's see what I can do. Yeah. Let's see what we can do. Because when it, when it comes down to it, hey, man, if, if we're chasing after something that doesn't come to fruition, at least we put that first step forward, right? Yeah, that's all you can yes. do. My guest tonight has been six. Good friend of mine now. I'm proud to say that. And uh, I hope to have him on uh, my show, this show, uh, many, many more times to come. Thank you, uh, thank you, my friend, and uh, keep, keep on keeping on and doing doing what you do best. Well, until we meet again, until we are free, my friend. We are the new prisoners. That's right. And uh, this has been Get Mad with Chris Graves. Good night.